Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy Whether one line is plot holes or two it is poopies It's time to get busy with your friends Stephen Izzy Bounty hunters from the future transport a doomed race car driver to New York in 2009 where his mind will be replaced with that of a dead billionaire. Tonight's movie is 1992's Free Jack! Free Jack. Welcome, this is Everything I Learned From Movies, and I'm Steve. I'm Izzy. And uh, this movie, I I feel almost kind of jipped that I've never heard about this until a couple of months ago. Me as well! This, this, <laughs> nobody ever recommended this to us! <laughs> this is like one of those movies, like, you even bring up a conversation where it's like, Oh yeah, I think I remember that. That's the uh, that's the one that had a uh, Mick Jagger in it or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, and a race car driver, Millie West of it. <laughs> yeah, and Rene Russo, and Sir Anthony Hopkins, and right. David Johansson. Everybody. Anyway, uh, yes, this movie is Free Jack. Grant uh, L. Bush is in this movie. Grant L. Bush is the hero of this movie. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, um, so this movie's amazing. But uh, but first, we have a beverage. Mm. Uh, what's our first beverage today, sweetie? So, in honor of Emilio Estevez as a race car driver, our first beer is going to be Racer Five by Bear Republic India Pale Ale. Mm. Go. All right. Carbonated. That's a good start. Yay! Here it glug glug glug. Mm. Good looking beer. This beer is really, really clear. Yeah, it's got good a golden hue to it. Very light. Mm-hmm. A, little, a little brown to it, but yeah, it's a good, good gold color. Yeah, it's like a golden rod. Yeah. It's got a surprisingly cream-colored head for as light as it is as well. It smells very florally. Steve's first taste. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good IPA. It's got a Got good hotness to it, not overly hoppy. This is a very good example of a West, very good example of a West Coast IPA. Like yeah. Significantly hoppier than you would get with like a European IPA, but uh, not too over the top. Nothing crazy. No, probably about six, seven percent, maybe like six and a half. That would be a great thing for me to know. Uh, but yeah, Bear Republic is a brewery out here in the San Francisco area. I think it's actually centered in the North Bay area. Um, they're, yeah, they're in Hillsburg. Oh, Hillsburg. Yeah, okay, so up in uh, wine country. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And it is 7.5%. That's dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. Very easy to drink as it is. Yeah. Race of Five is an aggressively styled India Pale Ale. And made from a brewery whose motto is bigger is better, this golden, well-hopped, bottle-conditioned ale demands your attention. Try the next generation of IPA. Rachel Five, go! Go! Brewer's Notes, keep cold, respect life. Don't D&D, real ale is alive. Uh, it really, let's see, real ale is alive. Yeast is good, serves at 45 to 50 degrees. There you go. This is a... Uh Fresh out of the fridge, so probably about 45 degrees. <laughs> yeah, probably. So it'll warm up in our bellies. Delightful. <laughs> so free Jack. Mm. Okay. So you read the synopsis. 
do we want to go over basically the plot of the movie? Yeah, let's go or? over the plot of the movie. Well, actually, let's go over the cast of characters first. Oh, okay. Um, the, let's see, who directed this? Uh, that guy with the hair. Jeff Murphy, uh, a Kiwi director from New Zealand. Um, oh, he's Maori, actually. I was reading that in the trivia. Is he? Yes. Oh. Interesting. His name's not like Honga or something. Anyway, uh, he did a. Um, well, this is his second movie with Emilio Estevez. He also directed Young Guns 2. Ooh. Uh, he also did Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. So he likes those uh, badass sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did a movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called Never Say Die. It was like a Bond parody in the late 80s. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. It's one of those things where, like, I like like I was reading the description, looking at pictures and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I may have seen this, but recall <laughs> nothing. I actually thought it was, like, one of the Timothy Dalton ones, <laughs> just by the name, and it was like, oh, no, it's a parody of it. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, but the movie also stars the great Emilio Estevez as Alex Furlong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Emilio from, like, Mighty Ducks and... If you Man don't know Emilio, Breakfast Club, yeah. If you don't know Emilio, shut this podcast off. You know, he was a listener. I'm sorry. You know Charlie Sheen's brother? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You mean Carlos Estevez's brother? Yes, Carlos Estevez. Uh, but Emilio <laughs> plays Alex Furlong, a uh, rookie race car driver in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also his girlfriend Renee Russo uh, as Julie Redland. Uh, you know. Russo from a uh, couple of the Lethal Weapon movies, mm-hmm. Get Shorty. Uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins is in this movie very briefly yeah. as a gentleman named McCandless. Uh, if you don't know Sir Anthony Hopkins, again, turn this thing off. And we we don't want you. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of the bad guy in this movie is uh, mm-hmm. played by Mick Jagger as a gentleman named Vathendik. Uh You may know Mick Jagger from other movies like... Um, Okay, he's the Rolling Stones. He's uh, <laughs> this is I think it's first and last movie. <laughs> you may Mick ja- you may know Mick Jagger from such films as The Rolling Stones Live. The <laughs> <laughs> Rolling Stones Live in Scotland and, <laughs> and some music and videos. That, that horrible music video with David Bowie taking it uh, or singing in the streets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, get that one out of your head. Um, I can't it. Also in this movie, Amanda mm-hmm. Plummer as uh, the foul mouthed nun. She also sells oh. the show. Oh, uh, she she steals every scene she's in. I loved her so both much. Of them. <laughs> the Lord says turn the other cheek, but he didn't have to put up with this shit. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Banks, uh, you may know him from like Beverly Hills Cop and uh, Breaking Bad. He's a very distinct gentleman. He has, he has mm-hmm. a, a face only a mother can love, but he 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 plays a great bad guy. Michelette. Michelette. That's his name. Oh yes, Michelette. That's right. That's his character's name. Uh, David Johansson of the New York Dolls, uh, also known as Buster Poindexter. He plays uh, Emilio Estevez's manager. Brad. Brad, that's right. Mm-hmm. And he talks like this. And you might know him from, like, Tales of the Dark Side and <laughs> other movies he was in the 80s. Uh, such a great uh, show. Also, hey, Asai Morales, that's right. He was in the movie briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow Jerry Hall got into this movie. Right? I wonder if that was part of uh, Mick Jagger's contract. Uh, Frankie Faison is in for one scene. Um, yeah, it's actually a really star-studded cast, and I'm yeah. kind of again disappointed that I've never heard of this until like a month or two ago. Uh, I mean, like, I'm looking at the IMDb top build cast. Like, I'm not even in the full cast, and I mean, there are top names like Jerry Hall is just newswoman. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, well, Frankie uh, Faison is just Eagle Man. Like, yes. Well, he does have that one little speech in the middle, which is just yeah. kind of out of nowhere, but it's like, oh, he's actually kind of acting. Good for him. Right? Um, all right, so the plot of this movie. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Well, it starts with Emilio Estevez is getting ready for the biggest race of his life. He's right. a rookie race car driver, and uh, his fiance, I guess we're going to yeah. call her, Renee Russo, they kind of like tease about, like, basically, like, I guess they can only get married if he wins this race. That is kind of. Yeah, the, 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 their, it's vague. their chemistry is awkward because he's yeah. kind of creepy, and she's just kind of like, oh, sorry, I misspoke, and now you're. Apparently, she, the sense I got was she doesn't want to get married, <laughs> but, but he's the, really about it. <laughs> yeah, I got the opposite sense. I got the sense that she wanted to get married, and he like wasn't ready to stop racing, basically, yeah. to be a husband. I don't know, because <laughs> well, there, there is a scene where she's like, um, anyway, we, we, uh, she, she misspoke, and like, her, she says she's his wife or whatever. They're like, wife? Yeah. Getting a little presumptuous there, aren't you? She's like, oh, sorry, slip of the tongue. He's like, I like that slip. I like that tongue, too. That is a really creepy scene. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why I think I felt like she wants to get married, and he's not ready to settle down yet, because... Um, Maybe he's waiting to land as a season or something. Yeah, well, they kind of, like, hint that, like, he has to win this for them to do it. Like, I guess they need the money. Oh, maybe to get the sponsor because she's just financially stable. Okay. Yeah, because she kind of does a like, I don't know, you know, you you don't act like you want it or something, and so that's where it's kind of like a like, I would get married, but you just don't seem ready. I don't know. That's what I got from yeah. it. But yeah, Spoil- so, uh, spoiler alert: He basically promises to never die. Smash cut to Smash cut to yeah, his race car exploding <laughs> on the racetrack. Uh, her like running at it. Yeah having to be stopped by, like, four people facing the camera. Oh, oh, her scream's amazing. <laughs> uh, like, as it's having... <laughs> she acts the shit out of that scene. Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah, yeah. goes to the race, uh, tire over tire, and flies into an overpass. Oh, it flies <laughs> into an overpass, straight up. 25 feet in the air, and, uh, or does it? Uh, apparently, at that exact moment, across time, 17 years later, mm-hmm. a team of bounty hunters led by Mick Jagger uh, set up a machine to snatch him at the last instant before he hits the overpass midair, mm-hmm. mid, you know, 150 miles an hour, and just snag him at the last minute. Um, because apparently in the future, uh, the movie's 1992, this is 2009. Yes, um, way in the future of 2009. 17 years in the future, it's socialist kind of horrible world. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, 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 there's the super elite and everybody else is, I don't know, dying and exposed to radiation and, uh, and there's no ozone. Yeah. And, uh, there's no ozone out there. And ozone out there have no gadgets and mutant freaks. So <laughs> that's my uh, David Johansson impersonation. <laughs> and then he goes and singing hot, hot, hot. No, um, but yeah, so they snag him last minute because apparently what they do with their time travel technology mm-hmm. is to take fresh young bodies from the past mm-hmm. and basically make them involuntary or- organ donors for the elite rich of the future. So that way the rich will never die. Not go back in time to like save the world from those own depletion or anything like that. No, 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 it's not quite that. It's not, it's not how it well, works. Honey, that would alter history. Yes. Okay. So you pick people... The moment before their death, well, they're still, like, healthy in that. But they're going to be dead anyway. They're already erased from history. 
And so you just snatch their body the moment before they die anyway so that you can use it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Did you write this movie? I'm just saying, I understand the intricacies of uh, the time-space continuum. Okay. Okay, well, then it makes sense. <laughs> uh, so uh, in, in lieu of it, uh, or I guess on the point of it making sense, uh, so then as soon as they come to the future, they throw them in a Ziploc bag, mm-hmm. um, have doctors <laughs> go at them. Um, He's attempted to be lobotomized a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, a couple of times poorly by guys in uh, shiny tinfoil suits. They're um, really bad at this. They're almost <laughs> as bad as the medical team that takes care of Lilu in the Fifth Element. Like, <laughs> they really are. I think they all went to the same medical school. Big <laughs> Basan was heavily <laughs> influenced by this movie. Uh, so, he, uh, but he's not knocked out or not lobotomized, or whatever. So he manages to get free, mm-hmm. um, and he's called a free jack, which apparently this is a thing that happens a lot in the future, or at least a couple of times. Yeah, that's uh, not enough where it's a well-known thing. We're like, oh, it's a free jack. Everybody um, knows, like. Even, like, people, like, stoned in the gutter are like, oh, yeah. shit, he's a free jack. All, all the hobos in the tree, oh, he was a free jack, he's a free jack. Um, but, yeah, so he, he escapes, um, and he goes, he, he runs to his apartment, um, not knowing it's the future or whatever. No, his, his fiancé's apartment. His fiancé's apartment. It's Renee Russo's apartment. Right? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Goes to the fiancé's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a black family living there, and he's mm-hmm. like, where's Julia? They're like, who the hell are you talking about? Uh, and then the wife, the, no, the wife comes up and goes, "Oh, are you talking about Julie? Whatever her last name is? Mm-hmm. We bought this apartment from her twelve years ago." Dun, dun, yeah. And then, and I think there's a scene where he like sees, it sees like the date on a billboard or something. And it's like, "Oh, 2009," and then he like checks his watch, and it was like '92. Checks the sign again. <laughs> it's kind of an awkward little thing. Um, but There's a, a couple of those movies. So, so they don't know, he doesn't know where Julie is, but he might know where his former manager, Buster Poindexter, <laughs> Brad, Brad. No, right. he ran into somebody who, he ran into somebody who told him where to find Brad. Or he asked somebody. Yeah. Somebody pointed him in the direction. He said, oh, I know where you can find Brad, da, da, da. Part of his crew or something? Yeah. It was, it was somebody in the street. I, I, somebody he ran into. But he gets pointed in the direction of Brad. Isn't yeah, right? yeah, it goes like the apartment building. They meet up, he kind of fills him in, you know, Mr. Exposition, filling him mm-hmm. in, like, it's 2009, just been like this all the time. Everybody's full of disease, and the rich do whatever they want, and blah, blah, blah. And Julie's the part of the richest of the rich. She's a top scumbag. That's right. But I'll get you in touch with her, and I'm going to make so much money off of her. Yep. Apparently, she's like the executive VP of McCandless Industries or whatever. Is that the name of the company? I think it's the name of the company. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, the guy yeah. that runs it, but she's like the executive VP and lives in luxury and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jonathan Banks is like the other like the other guy in charge. Like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. a little convoluted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, Mick Jagger, the, the world's worst bounty hunter, is uh, <laughs> right. then to get him. He's supposed to be the best, but based on his actions, he's just the worst. Uh, and he drives around in his hot pink tank. and <laughs> yeah. So it is the McCandless Corporation. McCandless Corporation. And okay. uh, the other thing, too, is that when you're a free jack, you have no rights in the future. Because yeah. you're dead. Yeah, you're, like, ba- you're basically meat. Yeah, and so, you know, it's like, you died... Your body is dead. You've been dead, and some rich person brought you back essentially for a split second so they could use your body. So, 
how is that even fair to let this person run around? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, <laughs> basically meets up with his buddy. Uh, but he's like, oh, yeah, I'll make a few calls to Julie. We'll get this all taken care of, blah, blah, blah. Spoiler alert, he turns on him. He really just calls Mick Jagger's people yeah. or something to get the reward money. Um, nice little action scene. Uh, mm. The cars and stuff in the future are really interesting to me. They're horribly designed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like everybody has, like drives around in like little Russian tank things or like little amphibious tank. Picture if Macy's Day Parade decided to do the world of the future, <laughs> yeah. and that's what pretty much these cars are like. Yeah. That happens in a lot of future movies where the cars are like, I don't even think that would really work on a road. <laughs> right? It's like, how come it's scraping the ground and can only go seven miles an hour? How do you parallel park that thing? Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, uh, there are some scenes further on after uh, Amelia Estevez meets up with Jolie, and there's like there's like a, a shuttle in the ground in the background. Looks surprisingly a lot like a blue version of the BART train we have mm. out here in the Bay Area. Yeah. The area rapid transit, we call it BART. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, so, yeah, chasing. Um, oh, that's right. He does, uh, a after he gets away, uh, he finds out where Julie's staying mm -hmm. and easily breaks into her apartment like she doesn't have a security system, but he finds out it's a trap. It's a trap. But the syndic figured out that he was related to Julie, you know, in one way or another, and deactivated her sensors to see if he would show up there, and that way he could just like catch him like a little rat in a cage. Yeah, but and and of course she's suspicious because she knows about free jacking and Oh no, she thinks he's straight up an imposter. That's what well, she it, thinks at first. Well she thinks it's somebody downloaded into his body. Actually. Yeah, because she's yeah. like, I watched you die. You're dead. So whoever you are, get the fuck out of my house. Which yeah. and, is completely and by the way, legitimate. I'm, I'm going to set my alarm. And in 30 seconds, it's actually going to do something like call the police. Right. So you have the 30-second head start. But to be fair, the syndic shows up in about 24 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it's like counting down to five, like, oh, shit, he's already gone? Damn it. I knew this was a horribly late plan. Right. <laughs> and then when the syndic shows up, she get, uh, she realizes, oh, no. Maybe it was him. Maybe it is him. Because they really want to get him. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then another chase scene through the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh, that's right. It ends with going to the wall, but jumping off the yeah. bridge into the water. And uh, then he uh, comes up next to the Eagle Man, the uh, Eagle just, man. just a homeless man played by Frankie Faison, who goes into a little speech uh, about because he's he's not feeling good. He's like, oh, why do I even try? She doesn't she doesn't believe I am who I am. Yeah. I, I should just I should just roll over and die. And then, of course, the homeless guy, of course, is the voice of inspiration, like mm -hmm. with something like. You ever hear about the eagle to quit? He just said he just said he had to get food for his family and his little 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 chickadees, and he was like, "Nah, I'm done." And so he plummeted into the ground, never to be heard from again. And that's why uh, the eagle never became the spirit of America or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like, uh, okay, so I should be like an eagle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now excuse me while I eat this shit sandwich. <laughs> no, no, excuse me. It's River Rat. River Rat, sorry. That's right. River and he rat. goes into his whole recipe for River Rat as well. Oh, he does. By the way, it's interesting. Amelia Estevez, like, leaves, and then he says, uh, the Eagle Man says his name. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if there's, like, a scene that was cut out, or if maybe there was supposed to be some sort of sequel where, like, the River Man was, like, 
I don't like one of the first free jacks who escaped and is like living out and maybe like formerly part of his crew or something. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, like, I, don't know. I wasn't watching the the race part. <laughs> yeah, but. I don't know. Well, it's one of those things where I feel like it was something that must have been cut out because it felt like there should have been there was more there. Yeah, yeah. It was so specific. I got I got fun facts about that actually, but mm-hmm. uh, but moving on, okay. um, <laughs> we'll save it for later. Um, so yeah, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna go. What, what was basically his plan to like see Julie again? And, yeah, he wanted to go and see yeah. Julie and try and convince her, but this time she's like ready for him, and it's like, yeah. okay, I get it, you're really you, nobody's downloaded in your brain, and she has a friend who might be able to help him get out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go and they meet up with this friend. Uh, they go to a bar, and Julie leaves him alone at the bar. Yeah. It's a super, like, and apparently it's a super shady place where tons of illegal shit goes down. Yeah, it looks like everybody's on ecstasy, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, some nudity and a lot of body pain stuff, and that's where uh, a reporter, played well, by first, Jerry Hall... Oh. First, Emilio Estevez gets offered a free bright uh, blue drink, that's right. basically Windex, and he drinks it, and he's immediately shit-faced. Yeah, apparently drinks are really strong in the future. Mm-hmm. Like the, no, <laughs> no right? he, he's, like, tripping balls. Yeah. Um, and then reporter Jerry Hall is like, oh my gosh, it's this Free Jack guy. Oh hey, we're, we're reporting live from some random shady club in downtown New York. And we got Excuse me, do you, know why, Free Jack. do you know why everybody's after you, Mr. Alex? Uh, because I'm fucking awesome. No, they want his body. Oh, they want my body. Oh, this sexy body. Yeah, it's a weird scene. <laughs> Meanwhile, Julie's like over talking to her buddy, oh. and then they look over and go, "Oh shit, he's on live TV." Yeah. Oh, the syndic is playing video games in his apartment, right? And, and that losing. is notified. Losing. Oh yeah, losing because he's not a good video game race car driver apparently. Right. And uh, and then it like interrupts like, "Hey, he's on TV." And then do you mm. have any message for those trying to catch you? Yeah, fuck your asshole. And like uh, his best Schwarzenegger impersonation oh, it's so or something. Good. It's so good. Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> uh, so yeah, needless to say, within minutes, cops and Mick Jaggers are after him, <laughs> and oh, yeah, he's still kind of tripping balls as he's trying to escape. And, yeah. So yeah, Julie and her, her buddy <laughs> get him back to her buddy's apartment, and the guy is basically like, "This guy's too hot for even me to handle." Like, if you want to do it, you need to go to your boss. He's the richest guy yeah, in the world. you got to call in your favors. Yeah, he likes you. You're the top of the company. You, He's the only one who can do this. And that's Anthony Hopkins, Matt McCandless. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah. like her, her, her buddy's boss. superpower boss. Yeah. No, no, it's yeah. not her buddy's boss. It's her boss. Yeah, well, yeah, it, her, no. They, uh, they have a strong working relationship, we'll say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely the boss, the, the big guy that like runs the town kind of thing um oh but the scene where they they close in on him and her her buddy played by grandel bush oh wait no no no, honey you're skipping over things oh my god okay so she calls mccandless and mccandless basically says he's not your property anymore like he died the guy you knew died he was brought back by a rich person to be alive simply so they could use his body because he doesn't exist right now and so who are you to take that away from, from them? Like, well, they paid for him to be alive right well, now. Well, can you at least tell me who paid for him? No, I'm sorry. I know that we own the software that keeps their brain alive, and we do all the transactions. But unfortunately, even I'm sealed from those records. That, that sounds like it might be alive. 
no, no, I know that I own the business and I like to really like micromanage everything, but I really don't have access to those Wait, records. Aren't you the guy from Silence of the Lambs? Not yet. Oh. Oh, okay. My mistake. <laughs> so yeah, so then uh they decide so then her bodyguard Yes. Yes. Um they they decide to try and she decides to try and get him out herself with her body her and her bodyguard and so they uh then they go down to the docks and yeah. then um and Mick Jagger is tipped off. And uh, and that's where you pick up again, honey. So the oh, Grand Grand Elbush is is her bodyguard. What's the character's name? His name's Boone. Boone. Oh, that's good, such a good name. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he, he's right there. He, he looks like Shaft in this. Yeah, yeah. Like Shaft <laughs> in like a nice suit and everything, mm -hmm. and turtleneck. Like, and turtleneck. Yeah, he's got like the. I think does he have like little glasses no, on? No, no glasses. Mm. Okay. I don't remember him. Well, uh, anyway, he's like leading you know through the dark alleys and stuff, trying mm -hmm. to find the way out of town. And then everybody starts descending, and he's like, oh, get by me, I'll get you through here. And, like, homeless people are, like, trying to catch him and stuff, too, because everybody wants the bounty. And, everybody. And then... Oh, so we forgot to mention, Mick Jagger's crew needs him completely, needs yeah. uh, Emilio Estevez completely unharmed, because a rich person's going into this body. So now you've got these homeless guys who are trying to assassinate Emilio Estevez. So Mick Jagger's crew is trying to take them out and yeah. capture Emilio Estevez completely unharmed. It, basically, everybody's like trying to kill everybody, it seems, mm -hmm. or not kill certain people. Right. Uh, then the end. The end of Boone is the stuff of legend. Oh my God! This is how everyone should die. Mows down a bunch of people, and he's like, "Ah, oh, come through me!" Blah blah blah. He's like, "No, you need to go. I'll stay back and shield them off." All of a sudden. Boom! His chest blows out. Somebody shot him in the back with a shotgun. It's the Eagle Man! Ah, oh, that's the end of Boone. Oh no! Boone pulled out a fucking samurai sword out of nowhere and takes care of him. And instantly Steve's like, where the fuck was he hiding that the whole time? Everyone was, where the hell was he carrying that? And then with his dying breath, he gives uh, yeah. he, he gives Emilio Estevez his gun and tells him to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And so yeah, they're chasing. Uh, the action is actually pretty good in this movie. Like, there's lots of it. This has lots of very well done chase scenes. Michael yeah. Bay needs to take a little bit of a cue from the chase scenes <laughs> in this movie. I'm sure he has a little bit. Of, uh, I think there's, there's explosions. Um, so yeah. Um, Oh, where does it go from there? So then they get to the McCandless Corporation. That's right, they get to McCandless Corporation. Oh. They meet the vice president. They meet the vice president, played by uh, Jonathan Banks, mm -hmm. obviously a bad guy. <laughs> and Jonathan Banks basically says, like, uh, I am not the one who's paying Vendick. Vendick, yeah. Vendick, uh, whoever bought Emilio's body is. I paid the guys who were trying to stop you. I don't actually care if you live or die. I just don't want you getting whoever's brain is uh, going into Emilio. Oh, by the way, I know who it is. Yeah. And it's your boss. Yeah, it's McCandless, who's it's McCandless. been dead for... Two and a half days. Yeah. And he only has three days to be able to transfer his consciousness from the spiritual switchboard. Spiritual switchboard, oh my god. <laughs> so there's a thing called the spiritual switchboard, which is where they basically transfer... The consciousness. The consciousness. Into a computer. transfer into the body, yeah. It's... Basically, like, where they download, you know, kind of like the, oh, my God, there was another movie where this was, like, essentially the same thing. Well, there was a couple, I mm. like, Matrix was kind of like it, but uh, uh, it doesn't matter. You know who we uh, completely forgot about so far? Who? Amanda Plummer. Oh. 
So that's how he. Yeah. Uh, so Mealy West says in the beginning of the movie runs right, into how. the nun, and she gives him uh, his. She's the one who gives him. That's right. His uh, his old manager's address. She that's looks right. it up. Looks because, up on, the, on the web or whatever. Yeah. He he basically he's getting beat up by a bunch of people. He stumbles into the into the church. The nun comes up as he's like crouching, or he's taking like a nap yeah. at the feet of Jesus. And then she pulls out a shotgun and is like, basically, get the fuck out of my church. What you doing here? And then he <laughs> says, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm from 1993. I, right. or, yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, you're a free jack. Well, I can help you because God doesn't believe in free jacking. Yeah. Basically. And uh, she does she a lot of cursing. She gives me a little bit of apparently a very hot gun. Yeah. Uh, there's a point where the vice president uh, is interviewing her and she goes. And called he, interrogating. <laughs> and he basically like punches Aggressive. her in the face like it's not just the slap yeah. and uh, she goes God says to turn the other cheek and then she nails him in the groin yeah, she does. he goes down and she goes <laughs> but God never had to deal with like assholes like you or something <laughs> and uh yeah she is she only has a couple scenes and she completely steals them she yeah. is so good yeah you guys definitely need to check out this movie um do we want to talk about the ending ending? No, I want, okay. I okay. want them to experience that. Yes. Like, with their virgin eyes. However, so, okay, so yeah, watch this movie. It's definitely mm. worth it. The ending's out there. It's, it's awesome. It's like, it's like if 2001 A Space Odyssey was on acid. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, okay, I'm going to say one thing, though. Why are they called Free Jacks? I have no idea. I have a theory on this. Mm-hmm. So the machine that transfers the consciousness there... Oh, you have to jack in? Did you notice the shape mm-hmm. of it? It's got the four things coming out the ball they put their hands on, and yeah. then there's the the electric rock right in the middle. Are you saying that they, they have to jack it off? No, I'm saying it's shaped like a jack, like... Like a jack. Oh, like a game of jack. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, uh, oh, my yeah. God. I was... I, I, I kid you not. This is, this is my life. I was spending about an hour thinking, why are they even called free jacks? That was the best I could come up with. See, I was thinking more like... <laughs> so like when you plug in like high power stuff, you're like jacking in. Yeah. Like Bender likes to jack in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that might be a two, but free check. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I just thought the that machine in particular looked like a jack. It kind of did. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Well, do we oh. want to pop open another beer and then talk about some of the, yeah, the trivia on that? Yeah, let's talk about some of the fun facts. What's our next beer? Oh yes. Oh. This is a very special one. It's Adam mm-hmm. Carolla's Endless Rant IPA mm-hmm. from uh, King Harbor Brewing down in the L.A. area. I forget what suburb exactly, but uh, yes, the great podcast, fellow podcaster. You mean the pod father. Pod, the pod father himself, Adam Carolla. Oh, Redondo Beach. That's where mm-hmm. King Harbor Brewing is. Uh, collaborated with the, them to make an IPA. Uh, here's the description. I like to make a statement, and then another, and another, and another. And I don't settle when it comes to cars, politics, music, or beer. So I set out to create a great brew to fuel barstool arguments and tailgate pontification while still embracing the classic citrus notes of a West Coast IPA. Hence, Adam Carolla's Endless Rant IPA. IPA, sorry. 
a beer that makes a statement. Enjoy. Oh, I can't think of a better beer to represent this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Alrighty, uh, let's pop this puppy open. Mm, nice little sizzle in there. Alrighty. So this is a very like white head on it. Uh, a nice caramely color, super super clear. Yeah, a little darker than uh, the Racer Five was, but Actually, only I think only it's a, only a smidge. Color. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close, but yeah. Mm. A little bit. Uh, it's not as harsh of scent, like just sniffing it here. The hops are a little bit mellower. Can take a sip. And she's looking satisfied. This is a much mellower IPA than the Racer Five. If you this actually reminds me quite a bit of uh, like a good pale ale. Yeah. This is definitely not a West Coast style IPA. I think it's probably I would say more like an East Coast style. Yeah, it's very mellow mm-hmm. overall, but very but well balanced. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Not too malty, not too hoppy, just good and full. Yeah. yeah. This is this could be a really dangerous beer because it is so easy to drink, and it is Seven, I think yeah. six and a half. But I'm looking for it. Trying to remember what the podfather himself had said. I believe it's six and a half. I'm not actually saying it. I'll have to look that up later. But um, you could really get yourself messed up on this beer quite easily. <laughs> yes. yes, very good stuff. All right, Steve, you got any trivia for us? Well, what I kind of stumbled or you know noted on earlier, uh, mm-hmm. saying the action scenes were actually really good in this movie. Um, apparently, with the first couple test screenings, that was pretty much all that they had. Like, it was all action and no character development, mm-hmm. and some of the actors and stuff were kind of concerned. I'm guessing it was Emilio, <laughs> since he's the main actor. Um, but yeah, apparently, the test screenings were so bad uh, that they had one of the producers, Ronald Shusset, reshoot about 40% of the movie to get okay. more character development and stuff in it. Oh. And so that may explain why some parts are seem kind of rushed with full development, but they still get all the action stuff in, which is awesome. I, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> so, uh, fun fact, the racing footage was filmed out at Road Atlanta. Oh. Yeah. And they used uh, the Formula Atlanta race cars. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, this is uh, based on a on a sci-fi novel, as you might uh, anticipate. Uh, it's based on a 1959 sci-fi novel called Immortality, Inc. by Robert Sheckley. Mm. Um, and <laughs> that's about all I got on it. I'm not <laughs> sure how much of it is, but I, I think it's probably like one of those things where like the idea of downloading some, I don't know about the whole time travel and stuff like that, but I'm sure it was like the whole concept of like downloading somebody into somebody else. And, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I found out about the uh, the Maori. So uh, there's a note on an Albert Einstein picture in the diner, and the quote says, "Imagination is more important than knowledge," and it is attributed to Kia Ora. Kia Ora is actually a phrase uh, used as an informal greeting in the language of New Zealand Maori people. And uh, Jeff Murphy was born in New Zealand. Um, in this particular instance, was using this as a joke for the Maori people. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, Amelia Estevez, uh, they cast somebody else to play Julie. It was uh, Linda Fiorentino uh, mm-hmm. from um, the Men in Black movie, oh. the first two, and Dogma, and yeah. <laughs> Jade. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, apparently um, she was cast, but then uh, decided against it. But yeah, there, she was replaced by Renee Russo. Mm-hmm. Details. Okay, so is Renee Russo hot? <laughs> Wait, I feel like you just asked me this question. <laughs> oh no, it was Linda Hamilton. It's That's Linda right. Hamilton. <laughs> is Renee Russo hot? A lot like Gina Davis. No, uh, Renee, yeah, she's all right. She's. She seems to be always about six inches taller than her love interest, though, like in every movie that she's in. Like, Mel, whether it's Mel Gibson mm-hmm. in Lethal Weapon movies, or uh, you know, obviously Emilio Estevez, who I'm assuming is four foot ten. <laughs> I think we looked it up, and he <laughs> He's is... He's actually uh, shorter than Tom Cruise. <laughs> yes, uh, he is uh, attributed to being, uh, I think, five, six and a half, because Tom Cruise claims to be five, seven. Which would make Tom Cruise my height and Emilio about half an inch shorter than me. Which makes them both about a foot and a half shorter than you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Steve is a six foot eight. Yeah. I'm a tall gentleman, it's true. He's uh, a but I'm but I'm not a movie star. They just can't get all this goodness on film, apparently. I get it all in frame. Honey, that is only because if they were trying to frame you and, like, Emilio Estevez, it would only be Emilio and your junk. Yeah, I mean, if they can get <laughs> Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart at the same time, you know. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> uh, yeah, but all the fun facts I got about this movie. Uh, yeah, definitely check it out. I'm sure you can find it on, like, Amazon and through all the, the usual things. Uh, so what did we learn from this movie? Ooh. I learned that apparently black bodyguards all carry katanas that you cannot see. <laughs> in the future. Well, I guess... Starting in yeah. 2009, black bodyguards started carrying katanas. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I learned if you really want to make a girl hot, mm-hmm. you tell her to nibble on your ear for luck. Oh, God, that is a thing, right? <laughs> don't do <make> this. <laughs> uh, I also learned, don't fuck with a nun. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Those nuns eat nothing to fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also learned in the future apparently time mach- or uh, mind transfer devices are shaped like giant jacks with uh, glowing rocks in the middle. Uh-huh. Wait, I mean what? That's yeah. supposed to be playing jacks. De- de- definitely check out this movie. It's not just for the last about five ten minutes. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it gets weird. <laughs> so weird. Oh, I also learned. Mick Jagger is the worst bounty hunter in the history of bounty hunting. He's not doing a good job in this. He is this. not good at all. Although he takes his job very seriously. He does. Like, I gotta say, Mick Jagger did not do a bad job in this movie. But then it takes a turn in the middle, and it's just like, oh, he's just horrible. Okay. Well, well. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, like, Mick Jagger's <laughs> acting isn't bad in this at all. Like... Yeah, I mean, well, no, it, it kind of is. It's humorous. It feels like he's yeah. kind of playing like a version of himself kind of a thing. Yeah, it, very and confident, cocksure, and fancy-free. Yeah, I don't know. I did not have a problem with him at all I, in this movie. I, I like the themes, uh, the first interaction they have where he's like popping up on that uh, that laptop that's in a car, that's like a car phone or whatever, he pops right. up, and just a low button, and then like, they like, Slams it down. He's like, "Oh no, I don't like the dog." And then it pops right back up. Oh, there he was. All right. So, so one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. (laughs) I think what I'm saying is that uh, Mick Jagger's performance in this 
the rest of the movie is so a little bit weird and off kilter that you don't. His acting has zero impact on it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know a better way to say that. Yeah, but yeah. Just check it out. It's definitely. It's not going to win Academy Awards, but <laughs> it's entertaining at least. Right. Um. Ooh. What was mm-hmm. our question from last week? That is an excellent question. Um. Trying to think of hand. Let's look it up. Okay. All right, so the question is, what invention could you not live without? Ooh. I mean, cell phone's kind of the easy answer. Mm-hmm. You're just thinking off the top of your head. I don't think I could live without my jack-shaped time machine to transfer my consciousness to a younger body at an advanced age. That's true. That, that would be a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and be a little bit frivolous. I'm going to say, I'm not sure I can live without my hot water heater. I really yeah. like showers. Yeah, hot water. Man, hot showers are pretty nice. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, I like it. I, mean, I don't have a hot tub, but I feel like no. <laughs> right? uh, it's a, You know, it's a toss-up between that and condoms. Condoms are good. Right? Because children are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, like, oh, man, cars are pretty nice, but I lived without them briefly, and, you know, you can get around. But then again, you're taking buses, which are other vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, kind of not the same thing. You're kind of missing the point. Uh, how about you? You guys got uh, any inventions you can't live without? Nobody wrote into us last week. Come on, guys. We we need your answers so we can, you know, politely mock them. No. Yeah. Jump on the uh, the Facebook page. Jump on the Twitter. I don't know. And the best part is, you can do all this from your phone. Perhaps it's your phone you can't live without. Right. Let let me know. Alrighty. Would you like a question for the week? Yes, for next week. Alright. For next week, something to think about. Um. What was the last performance or concert you went to? This should be easy. Should be. Mm-hmm. Save for next week. Next week. Excellent. Well, go see Free Jack. Free Jack. Wherever you can. And uh, have a wonderful evening. And everything I learned from movies. Have a good night. Good night.